Hi, I'm Tim Zacharias with Cougar USA and host of Building Value. Today on our first episode, we have a very special guest, co-founder of Cougar USA and my dad, Mike Zacharias. Thank you for joining us. You bet, you bet. Yeah. Happy to be here. Yeah. So we've got an exciting show today. We're going to be looking back at the humble beginnings of Cougar USA. Uh, we're going to look at some exciting products that we have coming up for next year. And Mike's going to share his words of wisdom for any young building engineers out there. On Building Value, we go behind the scenes at some of the most iconic buildings in Texas to showcase the incredible people that design, build, and maintain them and their impact on the community. You know, looking back, you know, what was it that, that made you and Scott decide to start the company and you know, where, where did you office and, you know, what did you even, did you even have anything to sell <laughs> to our customers? No, it's a good question. So really uh, kind of a terminal, ter terminal, a turning point was uh, Tropical Storm Allison that flooded the medical center, it flooded U of H, flooded downtown. And Scott and I were at Richard L. Jones and we were both active in the aftermarket. We didn't give it that much thought. Uh, as far as that that was somewhat unique in our market. The, our competition really was not that active, but man, did uh, Allison really bring it to the forefront. And it kind of changed the way we went to market altogether because we were so busy taking care of so many different things and it made us realize the extent of our expertise and knowledge in systems and our ability to source material, especially when it comes to standalone products that require controls. So um, we were uh, frustrated with how things were progressing at uh, Richard L. Jones and we saw the opportunity because of the strength that, that we felt we had in the market to break off and start something our own. So, so we made that decision uh, actually at the end of 2002 with a start date of one two oh three, and uh, we had until we had any place to actually office. We started out uh, in the study of our house, uh, just working yeah. the phones, and uh, it was really different as far as being a startup. It was almost more like being a spinoff from the standpoint that Dick Jones really had no interest in uh, pursuing the commercial building activity, so he really uh, encouraged us. Uh, actually wanted us uh, to continue to, to service even the outstanding activity we had uh, with Richard L. Jones and, and uh, we were able to convince the majority of the manufacturers that we were representing there to follow us over and our customer base was established. Matter of fact, it, we, we joked that we actually had customers fighting to be our, give us our first order, so that's always fun. So it was, uh, it was a little different than a lot of startups go through. Um, we were very fortunate with Bob Johnson, with Prime Mechanical, that uh, actually Scott had a good relationship with Bob. I didn't know him quite as much, but Bob had seven acres over off of Windfern. He worked out of, out of trailers, uh, basically like construction trailers that he'd hobbled together. And he said, look, you guys want to drop a construction trailer over here? I'll bring some utilities and I won't even charge you rent. And so we took him up on it and our, uh, dropped a a, a double wide brand new construction trailer and we worked out of that for several years and it grew into additional trailers to the point 
by the time we moved here, we called it Cougar Court because we had two double wides and a single wide trailer. Yep, and I remember the all the decking, we had decking. going all over the place, and not only that, we we had four uh, containers for our warehouse plus some of their shop yeah. that we kept uh, yeah. taking over. It was. Uh, quite the challenge. Yeah, it was. Working out of, <laughs> out of that. But, you know, I think one thing that, um, you know, from, from those humble beginnings to kind of where we are now, you've always been very passionate about customer service and, uh, you, you know, those, that systems knowledge you're talking about. You know, how is it that Cougar is supporting our customers beyond selling the product? So Scott and I both agreed early on. One thing that when we started out, we wanted to make it as easy as possible for customers to do business with us. And what, so what does that mean? So we weren't going to, uh, we didn't want to make it uh, an arduous task to set up a new customer. We weren't going to operate where we absolutely had to have a PO before we did anything. If a customer was in need and he needed something, we'd get it to him and work out the details on the backside. If it didn't, if what we provided him wasn't didn't work out and they wanted to return it, no problem. We weren't in the market to make money on restocking charges. So that was a big part of it. And, and that, that went a long way with our customers. And there was a, one similar trait that Scott and I have always had that our customers continue to thank us for, and that is we answer our phones. Now that sounds crazy, but we answer our phones and we return phone calls and that's huge because in our industry if somebody calls you they've got a need they you know they're not you're not on a list and they made it down you, to you on that list they've got a need they need something they need it quickly and so we wanted to respond to that and we tried to develop inventory as quickly as we could to be able to support that that was obviously much more of a challenge in the early days um, but that that was a big part of it trying to be as responsive as po possible to our customers and make it as easy as possible for them to do business with us. We were our customers' advocates with all the manufacturers that we represented. One thing I would tell every manufacturer is, just understand my loyalties are to my customer. You know, if we, if we look back, uh, or if we kind of get back to the products a little bit, um, over the last couple of years, we've really focused down to what we're calling water control systems. So anything to do with pressure, temperature, level, uh, flow, and quality uh, with water in these buildings is really where uh, we've kind of found our niche and, and have our expertise. So if we're looking forward to the next year, you know, I think we have some really exciting uh, products and solutions to offer. Um, let's talk about the FTC tank uh, that we've got behind us. Why are you so excited about this tank? Well, one, it's it's a it's fills a void in our offering in that we we sold plastic tanks, uh, but uh, when we could, but there's a lot of limitations to that. But we didn't have a steel tank offering, and I did not want to become just another steel tank guy. And uh, so when you found this posted on LinkedIn, I mean, the immediate response from both Scott and me was that's that's a game changer. Um, with steel tanks, they have to be lined. And the lining is the Achilles heel of a steel tank. It does not last. Uh, if anything, it may actually get to a point where it, it 
degrades the quality of the water rather than protects the quality of the water right. and it has to be cleaned and replaced and that's very expensive. Uh, I mean we've got engineers already basically saying that FTC is going to be basis of design and the only acceptable alternate is going to be a stainless steel tank because they also recognize the shortcomings of linings in tanks. And so being able to have a tank that you can go 40 years without any service on is phenomenal. So um, yes, we are very excited about this tank. We have one installed downtown with a company, property company that has 10 or 12 buildings downtown and already some of the other buildings are beginning to look at putting that into their budget for the following year. That, it's going to become a race uh, to see who can, who can get tanks installed. <laughs> so another exciting product, not, not in the, uh, a little bit in the water quality space, but a little bit more on the hot water side if we're looking at temperature, is the, the IntelliHot. And I've had that product going on almost a year now, uh, really seen a lot of activity with it. Uh, it's pretty exciting technology. You know, what do we have to look forward to next year with IntelliHot? Key with IntelliHot is that it's tankless, and uh, it being tankless, you can eliminate storage tanks, which can not only take up a lot of footprint, but actually from a uh, efficiency standpoint, tanks actually uh, deteriorate your efficiency. They reduce your efficiency because you're circulating water between a tank and a what might otherwise be a very high efficient um, heat exchanger except when you bring the hotter the entering water into that the lower the efficiency so being able to have on-demand water and being able to fire a heat exchanger down at a very low rate meaning that you're basically continuously firing you end up with a very efficient uh, and uh, heater that can provide water on demand in a very small footprint. And uh, the, the market for on demand water, hot water is huge. It, it opens up opportunities that we've never even thought about. Things like restaurants and apartment, multifamily. Um, these are just markets that historically, especially on the uh, new construction as well as on the aftermarket, we have not been that active in. And IntelliHot's going to bring those opportunities to us. So, you've been working closely with, uh, you know, the building engineers your whole career, and I know you love helping them solve the problems in, in their building. That's a lot about what we've been talking about. What is it that's that's driving you to provide that that high level of service that we've been talking about? Quite frankly, you know, when you when you get forty years of experience. You know, you don't want to just walk away from it. I mean, every year you're involved with something, you should be able to add even more and more value. And so I like being able to uh, use the experience that I've got and be able to impart that and uh, work with uh, the, uh, the building engineering side as well as the consulting engineering side. Uh, and just be able to share that information with them um, and share those, those, uh, all those years of experience. And trust me, 
<laughs> you learn a lot from your failures as well. Uh, you know, I didn't always get it right. But uh, no, I, I, I enjoy uh, working with, um, uh, I enjoy working with younger building engineers and, in, uh, you know, more inexperienced, uh, or guys that just want to learn more about something that, uh, that they haven't had an opportunity to learn about. I, I just enjoy that. It's, it's very satisfying. So what, what advice would you have for some of those young building engineers as we kind of move into the new year here? Well, try and learn as much as you can about the equipment that you're responsible for. I mean, that sounds really simple and straightforward, but it's twofold. It's one, learn about the equipment that you're dealing with and learn about the system that it's installed in. You're responsible for it, uh, so don't always be dependent on uh, somebody else to be there to uh, get you out of a bind if, if you have issues. The, you will radically increase your, significantly increase your value the more you learn about these systems. And if you're a building engineer and you want to become a chief engineer and you want to become a, a director of engineering for a property management company, that's the way to do it. Learn as much as you can about the equipment that you're responsible for and the systems that they're installed in. Yeah, makes sense. It does. It's great advice. <laughs> all right, well that's all we have for our episode today. I really appreciate you coming on the show. You bet. Yeah. Happy to be here. Also want to thank you for watching with us today and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Building Value.